Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. Where do I begin? Which way do I face? Is there someone I can call? Cause life has settled in And I'm tired of the taste I'm tired of living so small They never tell you life is long just goes on and on And what if one day It all just seems to slip away What if all these days we fill What if 
everyone, and welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. That was Until by Carl Alaco. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys doing? Hello. And, Carl, uh, how old is that song? It's like three months old. It's it's a fairly new song, yeah. It's Unbelievable. Um, well, yeah, I, I just started to write, you know, I, I wanted You're to back. write... No, I'm not back, but well, well, the thing is, anywhere. I'll say the artist that we, we this week's artist to feature only had one song, so we had to fill the time with something. So <laughs> figured I'd throw one of mine. No, but I've been working. I got I got all these new plugins and stuff and all this new stuff. So I started writing these songs, and I'm just trying to write songs from being an older perspective, being an older guy, you know. And like, and I don't know. It's it's you know it's what it is. You know, I I like some of the words. Some of the lines are good. Well, I know, I know you've, you've worked, you know, I think you've worried a bit about your vocal. Uh, well, I don't want to make this. I think it sounds terrific. I don't want to make this a, um, a, whatchamacallit, but yeah, because I had, I had my little bout with cancer about five years ago, my throat cancer. Yeah. So that kind of ruined my voice a bit. So I've been trying to work it, work it back. So different, different ways to sing, it's, you know, it's doable, ways. you know, I, I, I can't yeah. hit a lot of those high notes and I can't, don't have the power. I don't have the. But I, you know, I, I think there's a character in the there's a character in this vocal because it's so up close. Well, you know that's why I, I wanted to play, the reason why I wanted to play this song. Yeah. Because today, it, 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 because I just saw this thing where Joni Mitchell was at the Newport Newport Folk Festival a few weeks ago. Yeah, have you seen the performance? I did, and and this is why it's it's very appropriate because for one, I always thought Joni Mitchell was amazing. You know, uh-oh, back in the day. <laughs> right. One, she played both sides now, which which I think is a great song. I, yeah, it's an amazing song. She hated the way jo- uh, Judy Collins did it. She hated yeah. Judy Collins' version because Judy Collins made it this poppy 60s pop song, you know? And if you ever right. hear Joni Mitchell's version, it's like the song I just wrote. It's this slow. It's angst. I've yeah, seen yeah, yeah. clouds. <laughs> anyway, so then now, and, and the words are so poignant, but she wrote that when she was 20, now being right. 78, going through a stroke and all this stuff. And, and she got on the stage and she sang it with this low voice and, but it was poignant as hell. I, you know, it's funny. I'm watching the audience, and Brandy Carlisle was there, and I know the judge. They're all crying, you know. And I started wow. crying. You know, listen to listen to Joni Mitchell, who's just like, again, getting back to what we said last week. She's definitely she's a legend. She's le- a legend. She fits that. You know, I think I think she is more so than Janice, um, much more Janice Ian or all those chicks back from the, the early 60s. You know, she is the quintessential godmother of singer song, chick singer songwriters. I think right. it's Joni Mitchell more than right. anyone, you know, and, uh, and plus she was a great guitarist. You know, she had a stroke. She had to relearn how to play the guitar. Yeah, that's which uh, is bizarre. That's like, I, read. I have not seen it yet. I've, I've not seen the performance. It, it's, it's again, it's not. It's not like, you know, it, well, it's not like McCartney, you know, where McCartney, like, right. you know, really can't sing. She can sing, hold notes and she sings it real low. And, but there's something really, and the word, the song is so powerful. This might be something to do with post COVID, like uh, kind of live performance being the new paradigm or the new coin of the realm. Because, you know, if I, I, I just happened upon some footage of, uh, I think I talked about it the other day, you know, some big hair bands from the 90s. Right, you know, right, right. Were, poison. They're, they're Poison and um, uh, uh, Def Leppard and somebody yeah, else is on Def that Leppard. tour. I, I guess Motley Crue is on that tour. Joan Jett was on but, that tour. Right. 
and I, yeah, and and I and Joan Jett, and so I guess because I watched that, I guess YouTube has now the last few weeks been force feeding me all the concert footage from everybody that's out, and some of it is startling, some of it is uh, cool, I suppose, but it strikes me as odd that all these folks are coming out of the woodwork. They're in their late seventies in some instances, and they are back performing to very, very large crowds. Uh, I saw, I've saw, I've seen a bunch of uh, Pat Benatar. It's funny because this is connects to this article I just read in the Atlantic today, where it says old music is killing new music, and basically this is this. I I, tell me if you think these stats are correct. It says that. Old songs represent 70% of the U.S. music market. Right now, popular new tracks account for less than 5% of total streams. Do you know that? Well, yeah, no, that, that, make, that makes a certain amount of sense. I, w- I would think that the new stuff would, I mean, that's the only thing that it basically, that's the only vehicle by which it's presented is stream, you know? Yeah, but I mean? it says that new music only accounts for, accounts for less than 5% of total yeah. streams. yeah. That makes sense. And, yeah. and it says the reasons being one is that radio stations contribute, yeah, you know, because you know they they don't want to play nothing new. They just play right. the old, you know, old eighties, nineties, even satellite radio. Yeah, I mean that's been a time honored thing in radio for fifty years. I mean I've talked to programmers throughout my career, and you know they would, I would, I would often inquire about, you know, it's like why won't why won't you guys break more acts? You know why won't you? Why won't you uh, play more new music? Because I think it, the long-term prospects of that keeping your conveyance in good shape is going to be good. They're like, you know what? Uh, you can't sell advertising that way. Give me what's familiar to people and I can sell advertising because I'll always have audience. But if I try to play them something new and try to you know, spend a lot of time on my radio station turning people onto new stuff, I'll never build the, the kind of audience that will buy, you know, detergent or or shop at Kroger. Well, what do you listen to, Nicole? I mean, I listen to a mix. It depends on my mood. I mean, if I'm in the car, it's not the radio. It's Spotify. But for me, it's a mix between, like, what I used to listen to when I was growing up. So, like, Bon Jovi, Billy Joel. Right. Frank Sinatra. Not, not, not exactly new music. <laughs> not exactly new music. And then like it's also the mix of like Panic at the Disco and Fallout Boy and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, which is like from my childhood. And even nowadays, I'd rather listen to like like Taylor Swift in like her middle where she's kind of still country, but she hasn't turned pop yet. None of the new stuff appeals to me. Like I know Lizzo's big and I know um, – what's the other one? I forget. But like – I don't really listen to their music unless I'm hearing it on TikTok and like a sound thing. And it's like, oh, okay, someone's doing a dance to it. Right. Mm. Well, you know, it's funny. This, I just thought of this. New Wave, right? Remember the, the music New Wave? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It's 40 years old. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> New, and New Wave is 42 years old. God. Typically, they say that these these cycles run in 20-year terms. So... All right, so you know, let's say there was sixties, right? Which, which, so know. would that be the genre sixties? Well, that was Motown, English Invasion, the sixties. Seventies yeah. was, I guess, seventies no, was seventies was, you know, was like L.A. The rock. Beginning of, yeah, it was soul, R and B, and L.A. Uh, rock and, then, and like you know yeah. Southern rock, and then the late seventies punk. Start, 
and disco. Okay, and punk. Yep. And then yep. 80s was new wave, right? Yep. 80s was new wave. And then 90s was more grunge. And then what's happened since? Did anything in there? Are there any new, like what happened 2000? What do you call that? 2000, I, for me, it was like pure pop, you know? And then, mm-hmm. but you, now you now you got to go hip hop. All right. So hip, 2000 hip-hop, was hip hop. Right. Yeah. Okay. And basically hip hop has been the major influential genre for the last 20 years. I don't know if people are experiencing nostalgia for hip hop yet. I assume they are. Hip hop nostalgia for me would be two live crew, you know, or something like that. But you don't hear a lot of that these days. You don't hear a lot Sugar of Hill Gang. <laughs> Sugar Hill. You don't hear African Babada. You know? Right. So yeah, it's interesting, I guess. I mean, my feeling is that these acts are I mean, it literally is a um is a play for it's kind of the last gasp of uh putting some money in the coffers for the next 10 or 15 years because they they are playing big crowds you should read this atlantic article because it, it actually yep. lists a whole bunch of reasons wanting being radio one yep. they said was called dead musicians <laughs> dead musicians now coming back in virtual form oh wow like they're coming yeah. back in the metaverse as their virtual yeah. selves i guess and then but then it says and finally I can't believe it actually said this, but it said, because today's music sucks. <laughs> That's well, what it said. I, I, I wouldn't disagree. <laughs> I mean, I think, Carl, you and I talked about this last week. Like, it's one of those things because of technology and how easily accessible everything is. Is I mean, someone could literally, in the time frame we record this episode, put down some lyrics, put some, you know, music underneath it and upload it to Spotify regardless of the quality. And I think that that's ruined a lot. I think that technology really has like killed people just trying to have good quality music careers. You know, the other, you know, the other thing that, uh, that is, that is leading the way on the nostalgia and actually helping out these shows considerably is, I don't know if you've seen the video from these shows, but you name the act and almost every act has this wild, narrative or retrospective of their careers in video form. Alanis Morissette, you see her entire career on the video walls before she comes out and before the downbeat of the first track. It's very odd. Uh, Roger Waters, it's like going to a uh, cinematography-based interactive digital experience. IMAX. Yeah, it's like an IMAX show. Well, the McCartney uh, show before was they come out. You go to McCartney, every song is different. Like, yeah, know, now McCartney's the doing the doing the track with the with that. With, that, that uh, was pretty cool. With, with Lennon, that was yeah, a really cool thing. Yeah. But I think video has has come a long, long way, and I think it's it's really enhanced these shows where people are basically coming out on you know using walkers. <laughs> well, you know, what's good about it is that at least like now, years ago, you went to these shows, you had nosebleed seats, you you, you were watching ants. At least now right. with, these, with these screens, you can kind of see what's going on. You can kind of, <laughs> yeah, you can kind of see, yeah. you know, every, every show has a television production crew. You right, know? right, right. Well, what I was going to say about this nostalgia is if you think back to the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 episodes that we've done, every single artist has referred back to some sort of like 80s, 90s 
rock band person. That 20-year cycle. Yeah. And on top of that, because of technology and because there's all this streaming that's going on, all of the documentaries that are being spun up now, like The Beatles and Shania Twain's new one and all the other ones that have come out, they're kind of making, I think, artists reevaluate how their sound is because they're hearing this 30-year sound that maybe they haven't heard before. And they're like, how can I incorporate it into my music? So it's not really new and it's also not really good. So- my two cents. I heard a good thing, you know, the other day too, that I, I have my opinion about. Greg, Nicole as well, do you think the monkeys should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I really don't like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, forget forget that alone. But based on the criteria, I think they should. I think they deserve well, to be Of course they should, because they are the, uh, they're poster children for a commercial enterprise which utilizes pop music. And that seems to be right down the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's alley. So right? does the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame not want them? Is that why you're bringing I don't, this I don't, up? They've been eligible for, for decades. Therefore, they go back to the 60s, but they've never been nominated. They've never been... Very um, yet Dolly Parton, who's not rock and roll, was nominated, if I remember correctly, and denied it and then accepted it. Right. I, you know, so, you know, I don't know. I think the monkeys deserve to be the, just historically... What they represent. Yeah, I think you're right, Greg. I think so. That, that bugs you that they, you know. That, well, so maybe I, we need my, the petition for them. <laughs> that, that, we need to use all of, all of our 9420. 20 cloud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to wield the, all the power of 9420 to get yeah. the monkeys into the. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know, we have our 10 years up. ago, I would have been for it, but now it's just going to be Mickey up there, long winded speech. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So with that, you want to want to play some music now with our featured artist? Yeah, so we probably should introduce her and let her play her single and then get to know her after. But this week we have Jessie Haynes on, and the single that we'll be playing from her is The Way You Kiss. But before we hear the single and before we hear from Jessie, why don't we hear from our sponsor, which is 9420 Crowdfund. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by 9420 Crowdfund. 9420 Crowdfund, the premier crowdfunding platform for indie music artists. Get the best elements of crowdfunding without all the hassle. To learn more, go to 9420crowdfund.com. Again, that is 9420crowdfund.com.
Took some time with the recording. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I like the energy of it. It was very upbeat, and um, towards the end of the tune, you're kind of settled in and you're flowing with it. I don't think she's uh, a Nashville she, girl either. She is not actually. The reason we found her, she found us on Instagram. I scrolled her profile for a little bit, and she actually does some really good covers. So I had reached out asking her if she had any new singles coming out cuz this single that she that you guys just heard came out actually in April and she is doing what Carl and I really like is she's letting her single breathe and she's not stacking new music on top of it so i think it came out April 27th this is July 26th and she still hasn't mm-hmm. put out a new single cuz she really wants this one to breathe so she's interesting and i believe she's from New York did we speak with her we did she answered our questions of the week And what are, what are they again? <laughs> so the first question we asked her is to tell us a little bit about herself. Hey, my name is Jesse Haynes. I'm a singer-songwriter and recording artist based out of New York City. I write country pop music from the heart. I've just released my first new single on all platforms. It's called The Way You Kiss. And I have a music video coming out for it soon. Additionally, I'll be releasing uh, more music throughout the rest of the year. And then my debut album early next year. Performing music is my number one favorite thing to do, but I also love the outdoors, hiking, skiing, swimming, and anything that involves being in nature. The last person that we featured that was country was also originally from New York, and she's in New York City. So it's like, what's going on with country in New York City? I live here. What's going on up here? I don't know. I guess they're all doing country music. Maybe there's a movement that we're unaware in front of. of. Well, it's in, not in front of. I it hasn't hit say. the Upper West Side because <laughs> you know, if it's below seventy third, the jukebox. If it's below seventy third yeah. Street or anywhere east of, of Central Park, forget it. I don't know anything about well, it. Well, you know, I I uh, I'm all for it. Actually, there's a, there's a, there's kind of a sophistication associated with music made in uh, in New York. So. I think that Nashville could use a little more sophistication. So what else do we ask uh, Jesse? So the second question we asked Jesse was, uh, what music artists have influenced your career so far? So the other music artists who have inspired me would definitely have to include Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. They are heroes of mine uh, for their unique sound and the brilliance of their songwriting, which has definitely stood the test of time. Definitely the Allman Brothers and the Doobie Brothers. I just love the genre of country, blues, and pop crossover. And a lot of these artists and bands in the 70s really 
pioneered that genre. John Mayer, for sure. I, I love Marin Morris and Casey Musgraves and Bonnie Raitt and Cheryl Crow. Yeah, I mean, definitely these powerful women, powerful voices, powerful uh, songwriters uh, writing about topics that are real and true from the heart with meaning and and just, you know, really inspirational people. I, I got to tell you, my month has been made, maybe my year, when she mentioned uh, the Allman Brothers. I figured that. I mean, that is so cool that someone is uh, has remembered them for their contribution. That was a really great band. You know, I had a history working with They were a great band. I signed Alan Woody, who was the bass player of the Allman Brothers, for uh, several years, and I signed him to the company. But I had a, a, a relationship with Alan. We, we, we worked well together. He was really a, a tremendous guy, great guy. And I got to see the resurgence of the Allman Brothers into the 2000 version of Jam Band. You know, they, they were the forefathers of that scene, and nobody knew until they started playing the sheds with people like Fish and, and with other big super groups, Dave Matthews and those people. The canon of their work, you know, I mean, even their solo work is pretty extraordinary. And then Warren Haynes and, and my guy, Alan Woody, they created a band called Government Mule, which went on to some considerable notoriety too. I, I just think it's interesting that she uh, would mention them because they... Uh, they absolutely have a legacy for Southern music and not so much country music, but she identified it as what Southern blues. So, I think that's, yeah. That's she writes uh, like pop country and stuff like that. Well, too. they, they made those, you know, rambling man songs and just for radio. Like they, they had a couple of those things, you know, even that, even that record cover, man, or them in front of those, all those road cases. I love that <laughs> album cover. Man. That's, that's classic. You know, that's iconic. Oh, it's iconic, but is it but is it legendary? Well, that's what I wanted to know too. Like, we have iconic, legend, legendary. Now, what's classic? I've been thinking about that. I think that you can be iconic if you're representative of the culture. I think to be legendary, you have to change the culture. So, and I think to be a legend, you still have to be dead. Yeah, so to be an iconic, legendary, classic legend, what do you have to be? Who's who's that? <laughs> that's that's basically just two or three people. That's Elvis, Count Basie, and the Moses. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and little Jimmy Dickens. You know. So uh, what is um? What, did we ask one more question? We did. So we asked Jesse if there was one thing you can change about the music industry, what would it be? Uh, so if I could change one thing in the music industry, it would probably be that more artists use their fame for good. I'd love to see more artists using their platforms for helping, healing, and being positive role models. I think so many musicians to date have uh, gotten huge fame and have not exactly used their platform for healing and for good. When you have millions of people looking up to you, I think it's important to send a positive message and to be a role model um, and to inspire uh, those people who are looking to you in a positive way. I, I believe that you make your music, you present it to the world. If the world 
showers you with uh, riches beyond your wildest dreams. I don't think you owe the fan base anything. No, as a human, maybe you're right. You, you don't, uh, but as a human being, you should. So you should. I kind of fall in the middle of this. I think that once you kind of gain your fame and your notoriety and you've got the money, if there's something that you're passionate about and it's something that you are able to speak upon and you educate yourself and you really do want to make an impact because it's coming from like a very good place, by all means. But if you are just doing something to jump on a bandwagon or if you are just doing something because you think it's right, I think that being a musician and having yeah, that fame is that's, fine. That's understood. You know, you know, yeah. If you're not doing this, doing the cash, you know, look good, you know, the people because you're you're on a cancer post. But there are people who do that, though. So right. You no, know, I don't know. I, I I think based on the way um, Jesse stated it, I agree with her. I think you know, artists, you know, they 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 given you the you know they won the lottery, man. You get to the level of these artists, it's such a you know the you know the. The air is so thin up there. Well, you know, why not, you know, use and, some of your wealth to help others? And the thing is, there also could be the yeah, same. And a lot probably do. A lot probably do. And, that and we they're know just about. silent about it because they maybe don't necessarily want right. to be judged by people for doing something good because they just want to do it without any any of the fame that comes with their name. So before we yeah. end, first let's first let's talk to uh our unofficial sponsor. Right. Uh, who's that? <laughs> All right. So we are going to listen to our unofficial official sponsor, Bongo Java, before we get out of this episode. So hear a little bit about our story with them. This episode is officially unofficially sponsored by Bongo Java. Bongo Java, the birthplace of the 9420 podcast. While Bongo Java got its start a year earlier than 9420 in 1993, in 1994, Carl and Greg's relationship got started. And in 2020, Carl and Greg visited Bongo Java to create this podcast that you listen to. For more information on Bongo Java, go to bongojava.com. I guess that's it, right? That's it. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. For everything that we spoke about, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That's the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. 